When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Telling you, I really believe that the three of us could play for the Washington Wizards or the Detroit Pistons or <laughs> some the Spurs. We could play. I don't know about play well, well, but you know, we could contribute something just like we saw after watching that game. Welcome to the PHLY Sixers post game show here on this Wednesday, alongside my partners as always, Derek Bodner, Kyle Newbeck. I'm Devon Games with you, Brianna. Producing on this Wednesday night after another beatdown of a really bad NBA basketball team. Kyle, good evening, man. Good evening. Listen, I, I'd said this in the recap I just wrote for all PHLY. We do not ever take for granted <laughs> blowout wins against bad teams, right? Like we've seen this exact franchise in recent years take a lot of bad teams lately. I mean, even as recently as the last week or two. They played no defense against the Wizards when Joel needed to score 50 to beat that team. Trey Young misses a game where they play against Atlanta, and they made a meal out of that game. So when you get two back-to-back good old-fashioned ass whippings, I love that. I love seeing the team come out, professional approach. Joel's dialed in. He's rebounding. He's scoring. He's doing everything. Basically, everybody other than Tyrese Maxey has a good game. I just... I appreciate an ass kicking like that, even if it doesn't necessarily make for great debate or the most engaging discussion ever. Yeah. No, it's definitely not going to make for the best. Like if they lose that game, there's probably more people in the chat. We're definitely a little more fired up. That's fine. I'll take a a mediocre show. If it means that it's stress-free basketball for all of you fans out there. I I don't know if I go that far. It's all about the content. How does it it serve my interest? (laughs) Well, then you should be rooting for a loss because I'm breaking that or uh, the, the Pistons ending their streak would have definitely led to more views, but I will take a stress-free easy win that you fans can appreciate. Well, don't, count, your, don't count it just yet. They play them one more that's time true. on Friday. To your point, though, the Sixers, I think, you know, they, they, I think Detroit's last lead was like five to four. Sixers took a 10 point lead midway through the first quarter. It never got below 10 the rest of the way. 
And that's the second game in a row where, again, the previous game, six got out that 19 and two lead, and it was never close. Two games in a row, this game, two games in a row where it was never in doubt. As stress free as stress free can get. And Kyle's point was valid. That's not always the case. Even against these dreadful teams, teams that have lost 21 straight games, the Sixers in the past have found ways. The Sixers in the past, like a week ago, found ways to make that close. These were definitely two. It's just nice. New week, new me is what you're saying. (laughs) They're they're rolling right now. Again, four in a row for the Sixers as they pick up this W here tonight against the Pistons. They are now 15 and seven, I believe now on the campaign after that victory. They might be 16 and seven. seven. Standings haven't updated. Yes, 16 and seven now. They're tied currently with the Magic and the Bucks in the standings right now. Milwaukee currently playing Indiana at the moment, but to both of Kyle and Derek's point, just coming out there and handling your business because we've seen it a bunch of times where it has gone the other way. And when it does, in fact, go the other way, like we have seen it too many times, yes, the conversation will definitely lean to how do you lose to that awful basketball team the way that you just did. And since last week, Derek just brought it up as early as a week ago with the 125 points put up on the Washington Wizards, beating them by 6, 131, 125. Since then, they have not allowed that to happen. We talked about this easy stretch, this cake stretch that they have, and they're currently handling their business the way that they're supposed to. We're not going to get head over heels about it, but they're simply doing what they're supposed to as a professional team that's a contending type of team to come out and flat out beat down an opponent, not allowing them to hang in like Washington did last Wednesday, giving them that opportunity to get into the third quarter and absolutely believe that they – actually have a chance to win when they really do not. And that's what they have done since last week. And they do it. They do what they're supposed to do. They are now nine games over 500. Nothing to complain about. Tyrese Maxey has a really bad night. And we don't care because we know he's going to bounce back in the next game and be himself. Burn the tape. Burn Get rid the of tape. it immediately. That's it. Just ignore, It's four on five out there. He's not on the floor because of technology now. You can just simply erase him from the screen. Erase him from the screen. They were playing four and five, and they did their job. And it make the tape look that much better, beating them four and five the way that they did tonight. But let's start off with the big fella because, once again, just like we always talk about, the dominance, it's very easy for him right now. He puts up a, another big number in this victory with the 41-point performance. Look, he had 30 and 10 at the half, 31 and 10 at the half, 31 and 11 at the half, and it was very easy. And we're sitting there looking at him saying, oh, you know what he's doing. He's trying to get that number, get to 30, and if it's looking really good in the third quarter before he exits, does he have a chance for another 50 spot uh, against this bad basketball team? But it didn't get to that. He made sure, what was it, a three-pointer that he hoisted up from the top of the key to try to get to that 40? He missed it. Got he got oppor- his 40 eventually. Yeah, he got Credit another opportunity, did that, and the Sixers, the Sixers were bad with their reserves at the beginning of the fourth quarter, but the Pistons were worst Worse, pardon me, worse. And therefore, they didn't claw back into it. As Derek talked about, it never got close again. He didn't have to come in. But Derek, 41, 11, very efficient, 14 of 24 in 31 minutes. And he looked like he was toying with them out there again. Yeah, and he came into the game over his previous eight games. He averaged 35.4 points, 11.5 rebounds, 7.3 assists, 54% from the field. And those numbers only went up with this performance. You know, he did a real good job, I thought, early establishing post position early, getting down in transition, getting deep. Then the jumper came alive in the second half. He got, you know, pretty much everyone on the Pistons in foul trouble. Just a real 
it's amazing that someone can make 41 and 11 or whatever you end up with look easy. That looked very, very easy. And he could have dropped the 60 spot if he truly wanted to, if the game was close enough. Um, he is just on another, another level right now. I feel like we've probably said that a couple times over the last couple of years. And you do want to, you know, couch that with these teams stink. Uh, and they have no way of matching up with them. But he is beating them in every way possible. Uh, listen, they stink, but these are the exact sort of things that when I and we have harped on Joel, said he's the leader, he's got to be better on defense, he's got to rebound, he's got to do this. This is exactly why. Because when he comes out and plays purposefully, when he goes out and he sees, I have a favorable matchup, You know, Jalen Duran is out. So the two bigs they have are Beef Stew, and James Wiseman, he goes out there and fucking destroys those guys. And not only that, the attention to detail is great. Like, he's running the floor. He's rebounding hard. I didn't think he played selfishly. Like, a 30-point half, you have to play, quote-unquote, selfishly to a degree. But you all still moving the ball. He's taking some tough shots, granted, but shots that he deserves as the star player. And when Joel comes out from minute one against a team like that, and shows, I'm not messing around. I'm coming out to kill these guys. Everybody else has to follow suit. Like, look at how Tobias Harris played. Look at how Kelly Oubre comes in off the bench. There's no drop-off. He plays aggressive, confident basketball, scoring the ball, shooting from outside, trying to dunk on somebody that he had no real chance to make it. But Joel's confidence then flows throughout the rest of the team. Joel's aggression flows throughout the rest of the team. And that's what it means to be an MVP type player, a leader of a team that wants to compete for a title. So when I give Joel shit on these nights that he doesn't bring it like this, it's because we know he's capable of this. Like I'm not expecting him to shoot 10 to 15 from the field every half. Like he did in the first half, right? Like that's really tough. They're going to be tougher opponents than Detroit, but the stuff that he can control, the stuff that we saw all throughout this game, getting early post position, sealing his man, making a quick move on the baseline instead of dribbling six times trying to face somebody up and beat them. That's the stuff he can do every single night regardless of opponent. And Devon, I said it to you in the middle of the game. Guy won MVP last year and has been straight up better this season. Like slightly less efficient, only slightly like 2% from the field, I think. But when you consider the playmaking jump that he's made, the number of assists he's getting night to night and the burden that has been on him, as a result of Harden leaving, like I think it's almost inarguable that he's been better this year. And you add to that the rebounding, that he is yes. not not messing around, as you both have talked about, just simply crashing the boards, making sure that leaving no doubt that he's taking that rebound away from the the defense and doing just that. He, he has been phenomenal, and I, I wanted to follow up on your point, Kyle, ask Derek a question with it, but I, I do want to throw the super chat in here that we have uh, from Kevin and uh, share what Kevin had to say, which is, uh, so on the Hoop Collective podcast, they talked about Keldon, Keldon Johnson from the Spurs was mentioned as possibly available. Would you be interested in the, if the price is right for Keldon Johnson to join in the 76ers? Derek, what do you think about Keldon Johnson? Nice young player, uh, Kentucky, playing on that Spurs team, has shown some flashes, has signed an extension off of his rookie deal. What do you think about Kelvin Johnson? Yeah, that's a look into what the extension is. I don't entirely remember what that is. I do like him theoretically as a player. You know, he's gotten a little bit better as a passer. Trust him a little more with his decision-making. His shot is inconsistent, but I don't think a complete non-shooter. But it comes down to what else is out there, what other options are there, how much is it going to cost. I think there's so many different variables in there that's hard to really say right now. 
but sure, I would theoretically, if the price is right, I would have interest. Four so years, seventy-four. I have a piece of intel related to this. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this at some point in the off season, but that is a pretty big number. Actually. As the as the Dame Lillard talks were ongoing, and Miami was shopping around trying to figure out, you know, how do we put together a package for Dame that actually entices the Blazers to trade him. I know that Miami talked with San Antonio about flipping Tyler Hero to them. And I believe Kelton Johnson was, that was sort of the calculus there was Hero goes to San Antonio. Kelton either gets flipped directly to Portland or to another team, but those talks never got far enough to make it a real thing. So he's been in some, like available in some capacity for, quite a long time as far as I understand it. And, you know, depending on what you think a hero, like, I don't know what the value is there. That probably says something about the price it's going to take to get him from the Sixers perspective. Like they don't really have a hero equivalent. I don't think because hero is a good player, but on a contract I don't like and don't really know who fits there. For yeah. The Sixers. I'd have to really to fully answer that besides knowing like what it would cost to acquire. I have to really dive into his defense a bit more. Yeah, I haven't watched a ton of San Antonio over the years for obvious reasons, although this year a little bit more, again, for a pretty obvious reason. Um, but I would have to really focus in more. Obviously, they've not been good, but I would have to focus on his role in that. And right now uh, on the season, he's averaging 16 points through the uh, 21 games that they've played. Again, looking at his number, 20 this year, 19 for the 24-25 campaign. After that, the next two seasons each, 17.5 on the number for Keldon Johnson. So four years, 74 over the life of that contract. We appreciate the question, Kev. And interesting name, interesting name. And what do you do when you get that? You get some stuff from Kyle because he has intel on a lot of things. <laughs> and uh, on top of that, it's a name other than OGN and Obi and Zach <laughs> yes, Levine, yes. who we've talked about <laughs> 300 times in yep. the last you know two months or whatever it so, is. So, so I always appreciate that. So Derek, off of Kyle's point about how Joel has really developed and shown these improvements and all, what is different from when we've talked about it in the past when it has been these bad teams, Charlotte, Detroit, whoever the bad team it is that year, and he puts up these types of numbers and we always get, whether it's in the the messages, the emails, whatever it might be. Yeah, but it was against the Orlando Magic, the Charlotte Hornets at the time. What's different now, even though it is still against the Pistons, the Wizards, et cetera? Yeah, well, I just want to build off a point on what Kyle said, which is how the team feeds off of Embiid and his energy. It's sort of like when we get you thrown into the mix, we feed <laughs> off of your energy. You make us more professional. You make us more prepared. Thank you. It's very much like that. <laughs> I feed off of you guys. Yeah, thank you. A lot of feeding going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can definitely just see his energy level, um, but I don't want to like say like it's different for this year because it was just a week ago where we were on this show complaining about his energy level against the Wizards and how the defense wasn't there and the team wasn't feeding off him. So it's been great these last two games. You wanted to see it continue, but it needs to be there consistently. And look, I think maybe that rest that they had where, you know, coming into the in-season tournament, they had a like a four or five day rest. That might've helped him a little bit. But you could just see right, I mean, Kyle brought it up. I mentioned it earlier. Right from the jump, he was sealing his man very early. Yes. He was running in transition the way he I love seeing run. Joel run the floor. Love and it. you could just tell right from the jump, oh, he's not he's not fucking around this game. Um, and you would like to see that more often. It is a long 82-game season. You're going to have nights up and down. This was an up night in terms of energy level. It's not always there against these bad teams. But for the last couple of games, it has been. And as long as they do that, I mean, someone like the Pistons have no chance. 
they just have no chance. And Kyle, you brought it up real fast that the ceiling, we were talking about it during the game because reward the big man for running. Yes, it's the Great number, defensive play. number one rule of basketball to me. When the big guy runs, you have to try to get him the ball. Yeah. And I think I think my favorite play of the entire game, I can't speak for the two of you, is when, I believe it was in the third quarter, Joel runs the floor hard off a miss, seals his man, and Pat Bev threw like a two-thirds court outlet slash entry pass to him. And I was just like, thank you, Patrick Beverly, for playing. Like, we always talk about playing with pace, right? Playing with tempo. And that's a big thing that Nick Nurse emphasizes. And he has said that that's a thing they want to play with even more pace in the weeks ahead. Like, that's how their offense is going to get even better than it has been to start the year. Well, that's a great example of how you do it. It's not just, hey, Tyrese is really fast. You throw him the ball, he's going to dribble up the floor. It's when the big dude gets down the floor that quickly, find him. And all it, all he did, put his hip into a guy, caught the pass, layup. Easy. Two points in probably took like four seconds of shot clock to do that. I love seeing that stuff, and I want to see that at least once every single game. A, a deep Joel catch, long outlet, two points, easy, back the other way. And that's after we saw on the previous possession where Kelly Oubre had the exact same play while he did throw it, he took his time, waited when Joel Embiid had everyone smaller than him, but he had a wing. I think it was a sore Thompson. And all he had to do was really throw it over the top, allow the big fella to grab it out of the air and do whatever he needed to do. While he did it, he took too long where Patrick Beverly did what point guards do instinctively, just throw it right over the top. Or let's not just exclude point guard, same point. Nick Batum would have done oh, the same thing. You and thing. I were like, yeah, yeah like exactly. fist pump that the one entry right. pass he threw to Yeah, so uh, great play and just You're talking overall. about that one where he had that real quick no-dip catch-and-shoot three, and then like two possessions later, he did the fake and right to Embiid. Oh, yep. yeah. That was good. Yes. That, yes. that was beautiful shit. You brought that up. That was honestly my favorite play of the night. Yep, great play. Great. We play. love some entry passing on the PHLY Sixers <laughs> podcast. Hey, it might be a segment honestly, on the I, show, right? Well, entry pass. The entry pass of the week. There you go. What I also love is that he has such a quick release that that opened up that entry pass because yes. they closed out on him so hard. It's just after years of pump fake, hesitation, jab step, not naming anyone in particular, it's just nice to see. It sure seems that like you're hinting at someone in particular. Well, I'll say it. We'll talk about him on the <laughs> other side because we'll get to him next because you know what? He broke through against a team that he typically has a good game against, and that is Tobias Harris. We'll get to that in just a minute. Yes, indeed. Well, guys, our next partner, someone you've heard about already, AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I started drinking it every single day, and I gave AG1 a try because Look, I eat a lot of candy out there in the lobby. Derek and Devon <laughs> yes, will attest do. to the fact that I sat here. I won't say the name of the specific candy because, as you can tell from my water bottle in front of me, no free promo on this show. But we work weird hours. Our diets can collapse during the season, and I desperately need something to replenish my vitamins and get me going in the morning. And since I started adding some AG1 to my morning routine month, month and a half ago at this point, I can feel a noticeable difference in my energy in the mornings, and I tend to struggle in the mornings quite a bit as a night owl, someone who's on the job, into the wee hours with these guys and also in my home office at home. So AG1 has made a huge difference for me, and it replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple, drinkable habit, helping you build your health foundation first. And when you take AG1 every day, you're starting a micro habit with macro benefits, Doing so in the simplest way possible 
It's at a cost of less than $3 a day, guys. You can't afford not to have AG1. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. So go to drinkag1.com slash PHLY Sixers. That's drinkag1.com slash PHLY Sixers. Check it out today, guys. And if you're feeling good after doing that, all of that, watching your favorite team beat down their opponent, and you want to go to a game, you're feeling good. You're saying, hey, I want to buy some tickets to one of my favorite events. And it shouldn't be stressful at all. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Plenty of places here in the big area. Big theater guy, Devon Gibbons. Well, you know, yeah. If, if there's some <laughs> comedy in it, I'm a big theater guy in it. And there are plenty of theaters around here. If you're out of town and you're saying, you know what, I want to catch this show tonight. Game time is a place with, for you with killer deals on the last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for all the fun you'll have. Flash deals and last minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Images of the seat view so I know, you know exactly what you're getting for that particular night. Lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, etc. Game time, once again, is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get images, once again, of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Very easy. Put it on your phone. You can handle everything, right? You're already on your phone. You might as well get your tickets there through the app. Snag those tickets. Once again, buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email Tickets make great holiday gifts as well. Snag Christmas those is coming tickets. up, everybody. Make sure you get those last-minute gifts. Without the stress of game time, download the Game Time app, create an account, use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Game Time is a great way to buy tickets, stress-free. But you know what's the best, better way to buy tickets? Go to allphly.com. Go to the events section. We still have a few tickets left for Friday's takeover at the Wells Fargo Center. Game time is great, but game time doesn't guarantee you can sit with Kyle, Devon, and myself. That might be a feature, not a bug, depending on who you're talking (laughs) to. But assuming that you guys like us since you're in the stream, love to see more of you. This doesn't happen every day. So for all other games, go to game time. But for Friday's game, we still have a couple tickets left. You can sit there, chat with us. You get to see pregame shoot around uh, and hang out with... uh, Three of us. So go check it out. Like I said, a couple left. So go check it out. Also, we have a few super chats at this point. So I, I don't know which one we want to hit first. I think probably start with the first one we got, which was from Bernard McCoy. Thank you, Bernard. Says, I'm Maxi's number one fan, but his mental approach and toughness worry me sometimes. More mid-range jumpers instead of just layups and threes will help. I don't know if I agree on the mid-range I go the other way. I want fewer mid-range and more threes. (laughs) Yeah, but to his point, I mean, look, we called it a burn-the-tape game already, but certainly one to forget for him. I think it was so shocking because he has been, especially with Joel in the lineup, so consistently great this season that against to have the stinker against that team was like, how the hell did that happen? And I think it was mostly just came down to the shot. Like the shot didn't go in. 
he had that one instance where he made that runner or whatever, and he thanked the the rim. Uh, he looked like he was in pretty good. And he, he, there was no reason for him to force it because they were up by 20 all night. It does seem like every time he has an off night, like I, said, I think the last one came maybe against the Celtics all the way back. People, Some people overreact to it, in part probably because it's his first year as like the lead guy, mm-hmm. in part because he's never really done it in the playoffs because it hasn't really had a chance to be the lead guy in the playoffs. So I think there's still some uncertainty around whether he could you're going to have off nights throughout the season. Dude came in averaging 27 and seven on incredible efficiency and was playing great basketball night in night out. I don't think we have to overreact every time he has an off night shooting. And by the way, he ended up with what, like eight assists and no turnovers or something like that. Again, like I yeah. think he played a pretty good floor game overall. The shot just wasn't there. It's okay. And even on, on that push shot that he made with the lefty, uh, he, he hesitated on that three pointer that he missed yeah. right there because he just wasn't himself tonight, but I'm not worried about him. Mid-range jumpers for me are, I'm okay with them. If if he mixes that with everything else, I'm fine with it. Uh, not a big deal for me, certainly. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I think he'll bounce back on Friday against his basketball team with no problem. I'm not worried. Let's get to another one. Uh, we have uh, Dan Murphy says, uh, what if Daryl just lets the roster play out? I'm willing to sacrifice myself for this I'm not exactly sure Potential how to take that. scenario. <laughs> I think Dan's going to be with us on Friday night. He's going to have to explain that one. <laughs> okay. Are you sacrificing yourself in that? So you want this to happen is what I'm... I, I think mean, he's not going to um, respond back, so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I actually... You, you, I, don't, I don't want them to stand, stand pat because I do think that there's at least one more... Even if it's minor, you know, there's something there, like the ball handling thing yeah. that that both of these gentlemen always talk about. As good as Patrick Beverly is, he came in, shot right away. Another one. Yeah, get it going. But you still need something, something. And we don't know what that is yet because, again, we're talking about the trade deadline. That's a few few months away, and we'll get there. But I don't think this is the finished product for this team once they go no, into the postseason. I think, I think Daryl's going to be aggressive. I think he's been pretty open about what he wants to do. He wants yeah. to acquire someone before free agency. He doesn't want to have to wait for that last moment, in part because of the uh, cap holes he would have to renounce to actually have cap space, in part because at that point you're just you're you're desperate in a way that I don't think he wants to be desperate. I think they want to make a trade here at the deadline. Whether or not they will, like, should they or should they not, it really comes down to opportunity. We don't know what that will be at the time. Um, but there's almost nothing that could happen that would make me say like, no, they should not make a trade for continuity sake or something like that. It just comes down to, is this the best use of your final assets? And we just won't know that. Well, here's the other thing too. Like, I'm not saying this. I know we beat him up a little bit on the show, not saying this to beat up on Marcus Morris at all, but Marcus Morris is making 17 plus million dollars right now. There is no zero, a 0.0% chance that the best move that they can make with him specifically is to just let his contract expire, right? Like I would guarantee you, you can get a more impactful present day player making the same money that a trade like that should be made at that Unless he believes he can get someone, like let's say nobody really becomes available. They can't make a trade of significance they want to have that cap space, then they might keep Marcus Morris. But to your point, if there's any real upgrade available that has, like, if they don't need that cap space, then they're going to want to convert that to a longer-term role player, for Uh-oh. sure. Uh-oh. For sure. And Elliot. We, there's already some... Elliot. I should say, because Elliot is saying <laughs> in the chat that Marcus Morris' stock is up. Where's the car? Derek, where's the car? Go. I will say, 
set aside the made shots. I said to Devon at several points during tonight's game. He did. Thought there were some good effort plays. There was a nice pass from him out of the middle of his zone to Paul Reed that Paul smoked the layup. We call it how we say it or call it how we see it around here. When he is bought in and playing hard, like I've said it on the show already. It's not that I like don't like him as a person. I'm like, fuck this guy. I don't want him on the floor or whatever. I'm just telling you what I see out there tonight. Played reasonably well. Was I mean, they're playing a bad team, but did the requisite things that he needs to do to stay a normal, regular member of the rotation. That doesn't mean I want to see him play over Jaden Springer, who's much more important to their medium-term future, I would say. But as long as he's going to play, just have to evaluate what he shows out there. Had a pretty good night, I would say that. Yeah, and look, I think Kyle mm-hmm. and I have shown that we are not stuck, anchored to our positions. Like we have said last show, Patrick Beverly playing better than we expected. Kelly Oubre, who Kelly we Oubre, were we down on. Pretty much did a turn right away. If somebody impresses us that we didn't expect, we will say it. Like I have no problem being wrong. If I have a different, a different opinion than you, it just might be that we have a different opinion of you. I will give Marcus every chance to change my opinion of him. He was fine tonight. Not great. Not bad. Fine. And honestly, like I would be okay with more fine games. Um, but yeah, I'm not gonna you know throw him a victory tour yet. He needs to do this consistently. That's how many vict- we need to like a we do probably use a victory that too tour much. counter. Yeah, I would yeah. say that's like a just like hit a ding every time. It's says just that. such a great. It was, yeah. it was just a wild moment because like Paul Reed was playing so well and he just threw cold water on it. It was weird. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah, he, he did, and he had eight boards tonight. And he has six through the first three quarters when it really mattered. For some hustle rebounds, too, where he didn't allow yes. Detroit in some pretty good spots That's where it looked like they could have gotten him. some offensive rebounds. And to your point, you always the rebounding effort and the defensive effort, that's all to just move a little bit more and do that. And that's what he did tonight. And that's why he's been playing uh, a lot more minutes and playing pretty well overall. We have a bunch of super chats yeah, tonight. But I, so I would say I think we I, I took us away from that last question a little bit. As I've talked to people around the team, people around the league leading into December 15th, which is, it's an overrated date in a lot of ways. Like generally things are not happening in December anyway. But I would say this, I there's not a whole lot out there other than those guys that we have talked about a hundred times. And so the Sixers can't really make a consolidation trade until January regardless. I do think even if that weren't the case, they do want to see where this group goes over the next, you know, month, month and a half or so. I think at minimum they're taking this up close to the deadline to see sure who shakes out, yeah. who who might decide it's time to sell, it's time to panic. I don't think anybody in the league right now is quite there yet. There's some teams on the precipice. I think Toronto's a very interesting one as we've talked about to death, but there's now reporting from reporters i generally trust they're like hey they're looking at this yet again and saying all right we might have to do something just to break this up but and they're nine and 14 and have lost four in a row yes any but even chicago for example like levine is the big name on the market i would say him and siakam it's like six and one half dozen in the other and the bulls have signaled to a lot of people they might be trying to get win now guys like they might be trying to continue to say hey we might get rid of levine but we're not just going to give away Caruso. We're not just going to give away DeRozan. Like they would like to try to compete for a play in fringe playoff spot. So when that's the case for the teams that are like the most obvious sellers, 
it's hard to sit here and say, yeah, the Sixers are making a trade immediately. Like, go, go, go. It's going to happen. Like, I just don't see it happening for a while. No, I mean, we definitely do overrate the December 15th deadline because teams, it's not just like the reason deals don't happen now isn't just because a lot of players can't be traded. It certainly doesn't help. Like when you're not able to trade someone tends to decrease trade activity, but it's because teams don't make decisions until they're forced to make a decision. Like deadline spur activity in almost every meaningful way in every part of society. It's especially true here uh, in the NBA Teams want to get as much information as they can before they make these franchise-altering moves. And it's just not going to happen, really, until we get to February. And quite frankly, that's good. I'm okay with that. I just wrote a piece today at allphly.com, but it's it's basically the Sixers have had a second-ranked offense almost all year. And they have, I think, the fourth-ranked offense when they're going up against um, top-10 defenses. Like, they're doing really well against good quality competition you want to see that play out more. You want to see, I think they have eight games against top 10 defenses. You want to see what they look like when they have 20 games. You want to see whether or not you really need more help on the, because a lot of the players that we're talking about in terms of trade acquisitions, they tend to be excel in one facet of the game. Maybe that's OG and defensively. Maybe that's someone like Levine and his offense and his individual scoring. You want to see which of those you really need to target because it's unlikely you're going to get a dominant two-way player or even a, a guy who can create and also hold his own defensively. They just don't tend to become available. So if you're going to make a concession somewhere, you want to know where you need to concede. And it's just, you're not going to make that decision until last possible second when you have the most data. And the Sixers aren't the only team in that position. So we will talk every time there's a trade rumor, Kyle will be like, we got to talk about this one today. Of course People are talking know. about it. That doesn't mean it's going to happen anytime soon. So just relax a little bit. Relax, but I- relax, but tune in. there you go that's the perfect perfect sales pitch right there yeah and by the way um if uh, we'll look pistons sixers friday we have a takeover from the uh, PHL. Wow, second second takeover plug gotta say you know why because we also had a question there on our um on our super chat talking about uh, we're going to jump to, to yeah, this guys, one. We got to hit these super chats. Yeah, we got to get, get, <laughs> get these people in here. Lucas says, uh, hey, we'll get to Rick in a second. Have the, have the PHLY uh, cast b- brought their uh, important folks oh, Xmas gifts already. Why you gotta, well, first, I'll first say this. First of all, we love, we love the super chat, but why you got to put me on blast like this? Why you got to put <laughs> well, me no, on blast? This is, this is I'm how a Black we, Friday guy, baby. Clean, <laughs> this is how we clean it up. I'm a Black Friday guy for myself. Look at the sweatshirt <laughs> right there on, on Derek, where you can get that. Uh, PHLY locker. You can look at Kyle's PHLY sweatshirt with the uh, what's that Nux on on the shirt. Yeah, man, the tie dye type, type, type of thing. I will going say on. too, this is the comfiest sweatshirt of, of the, the ones two. we yeah. have. Yeah, it's the most. Uh, it arrives like with that almost worn feeling. Just right. different. Yeah, feels yeah great. definitely different material. And you can look at Kyle's hat. The white hat with the uh, pretty much flat brim, like a golf hat with the uh, little... Uh, little snapback in the back. A little bit. I have the dad hat on. Although I, I don't Derek think that's Ward. up available for sale yet. Not, not yet. Because I've been looking because I want to buy soon. one. Not yeah. yet. Coming soon. And Derek also has one, the trucker hat with the mesh netting in the back that you can get those when they're available, PHLY. So to answer your question, Lucas, I know I have bought some things from the PHLY locker for my <laughs> folks. So... That answers the question. So that for all your of us. gift to them is so they can be walking billboards for us. Is what you're telling me. Bingo. <laughs> I will say. Bingo. <laughs> I am. I am very much a last minute shopper for gifts, and okay. it's not even because I don't shop. It's because it's sort of like NBA GMs. 
I am hesitate to actually commit until the last possible second. Like I always want to keep shopping, find the, the better gift. I always think what I have isn't good enough. So I wait to buy until the last second and I get myself into a lot of trouble because of that. And building off the point that you made here, Derek, regarding, you know, collecting information, all that, this is not a good time for the Sixers to collect information, right? Like we go through these ebbs and flows where right now it's their world beaters and can't mess up the vibes. They have all this depth. They have this. And then they play one good team who does something schematically to mess them up on offense. And it's like, well, they have one guy who can really dribble. Boy, they're screwed in the playoffs. (laughs) They got to trade for Zach Levine. Like it's this conversation flips and flips and flips and flips. The point that Derek made, which is the right one, is that by the time they arrive in late January, early February, they will have gone through all these ebbs and flows. They will have played this soft part of the schedule, the tough part. Obviously, they've already had three games against Boston. I thought was really important to get the early feel of that matchup for sure. And I believe they'll get the last one prior to the deadline. If I'm, I think I think it might be late February, but I'm not. Uh, that, I was thinking late January. Maybe it is. But they'll also play the Orlando Magic a couple times in that span. So that's another you know young, tough playoff team they might deal with. Some other tough teams in there. They're going to know plenty about this team by late January, and that is when. Things are going to start happening if anything big happens. All right. Uh, do we have another one that we have we to have get to? We have a couple to? more. Yeah, we have uh, Rick. Rick is asking us, any chance for Clay Thompson and what would it take? Love the fit and the lack of length of contract. What do you guys think? Uh, thanks, gents. We appreciate it. Rick, of course, we see what's going on right now. Uh, if you did not hear, hear, I don't know how you didn't hear it about Draymond Green suspended indefinitely after another stupid play last night against the Phoenix Suns where he just hauled off and hit Yusuf Nurkic as he's waiting for an entry pass post-play. He tried to say he was selling a foul. I don't know how that was selling a foul. Especially when Nurkic just You know, when I'm trying to sell a a foul, I try to smack somebody across the face. It it was ridiculous. Ridiculous. There have been a number of times where like Joel Embiid will get frustrated and like throw a fist. You're like, man, if he's just not looking, he accidentally connects, like bad things could happen. Didn't he well, almost like take Lonzo's head off yeah, one year? Yeah. That was a yeah. bad one. Yeah, it was really bad. But, and uh, this is why you don't swing, even if you're upset, even if you're trying to sell a foul, like if the consequences of if something accidentally happens are pretty severe. And given his history, it's just wild that they're, I don't know. It seems like every time he gets into trouble, it's always like, oh, well, we've got to talk to, you know, talk to Draymond and see what's best for him and what he's going through. It's like, how about he stops choking people and hitting people? I don't know. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild. So I want to let's set the Draymond part aside for a second yeah. and address the clay component. He, to me, is the inverse Levine, where I do think he has shown he will be a play the role that he needs to play. He takes the shots he needs to play. He's got a history of trying to play defense. He's on a short-term contract. He's on an expiring, so there's no commitment beyond this year. And unfortunately, I think he is cooked. I think Clay has lost so much physically that he's not good defensively anymore. The shot has not been there for long stretches of time this year. They have gotten to a point in Golden State where – he didn't play in crunch time of a close game last night. And it was the right decision for Golden State to play the young guys. And there he's not playing in a game where Draymond had gotten ejected 
earlier in the game and they like desperately need guys who are able to play in crunch time. If Clay Thompson was still Clay Thompson, a hundred percent on board with that. I just, I have no confidence that he has basically anything left as a high level guy. And by the way, there was a report from the athletic, I believe it was from Shams uh, that he turned down a two year, $48 million extension this summer. I don't want to give him any more than that. No, no. Now, I don't know now that, yeah. could he be different with this type of offense because of Joel Embiid and the I shots that Clay. would be there for him playing off of Maxi with the speed? Good vibes this- guy, by yeah. the way. Like, no, real vibes chill guy. guy. He's going to ride his bike to work. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know, you know what, how does that, all that's going to happen over the bridge and all, but yeah. we've seen him on a canoe or a boat or whatever going, going to work. But could it be different because he's been in a different situation with a different type of offense playing off of Joel Embiid, where the double teams are there that way versus the double teams having the cutoff of Steph Curry. The ball is just moving. The ball is moving like Golden State, but it's just different is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's just different. I think I agree with these guys. I think he's washed. I think he's done. But my my intrigue would be there simply because they if they did it, they did it for a reason of thinking that he could still contribute something on a contender and his outside shooting is going to be most important. His defense is going to be second secondary to what they're bringing him in here for, even though you know that you would need his defensive presence in some way to at least be average. He used to be very, very good defensively yes. on the perimeter. That's not there anymore. Maybe it's I, the injuries with the age, all of that stuff. But if they did it, if Daryl Morey did it, I would be intrigued. Of course, I'd be sitting there like, hmm, but I would be intrigued. If I were to answer your question, though, right now, I would say no, because I do think, just like you guys, that he's washed. I love Clay, love the player, I love the fit he would have been, I love the two-way he provides, I love the off-ball shooting and the movement. He's cooked. He's cooked. I just, those injuries, I think, completely derailed his prime, and he still wants to be paid like he's in his prime. Um, I agree that the drop, as bad as the shooting can be, and as frustrating as his up-and-down offensive play can be, it's a night-to-night defense, which is a real problem. He's just not close to what he previously was. And it's, look, and it I brought up Levine because Clay is all of those things that I don't think Levine is. Like, represents a guy who has won a lot because he was about the right things for the duration of his prime. And it was no coincidence that when he was hurt, the Warriors went off a cliff. Like, as much as Steph and Draymond, Steph predominantly, obviously, drove that team and have driven that team for so long. Clay is a really important two-way piece of all that as a connector, as somebody that like, Hey, Steph's having a tough night from the field, tough stretch. He can give you 20 plus points in a quarter. He can turn a game on its head, just like gets hot, makes five threes in a row. All of a sudden lead disappeared. And then on the other end of the floor can guard some high level players like that guy at his peak, was really damn good. And if that guy was still in existence, not only would I want the Sixers to trade for him, the Warriors would not make him available. (laughs) They would have signed that extension already. So that's kind of the problem here. It's like, love the guy, love the player in theory, but I just don't think he's there anymore. We're rolling on the Super Chats, man. We got Red Fox Tucker, 1999, Derek. And that's not one of my people. (laughs) 1999 from Red Fox Tucker. Have the Magic and Pacers moved into the top tier of the East, or is it still a three-team race with the Sixers, Celtics, and the Bucks? That is a great question, and it's actually something we've talked about having like a segment on in the future. So we might not, in in part because we're 42 minutes into this show, 
And I feel like that's a pretty in-depth conversation. We might save some of this for a future show, not because we're not answering your question, but because we in part want to devote a little more time to it. I certainly think if you're telling me that the top three teams that have the title contention odds, I still think it's the Celtics, Bucks, and the Sixers. Because I do trust them a little bit more, certainly Sixers and Celtics, in terms of being a two-way team. Um, but I certainly think that the Pacers and the Magic have moved right into that next tier. I could certainly see them winning a lot of regular season games and being in that group. I just don't quite, partly with the Pacers uh, and, and the defense, and in part the Magic just a youth, I don't trust them to win four playoff series. Like I think the Sixers and the Bucks, specifically the Bucks and the Celtics, but even the Sixers with the way Maxie's playing, I think the Sixers have more equity uh, and the Celtics and the Bucks, like I said, more equity to win three or four playoff rounds than I do the Pacers or the Magic, but I think the Magic and, and Pacers are right there. And they're maybe just a year or two behind on the uh, the scale. So that's what I was going to say, is that that's more a timeline problem than anything else, right? Like, I, I've i been super impressed with both those teams for very different reasons. Like, Indiana basically doesn't defend anybody, but Hal Burton has been all NBA level. Their offense is supercharged. They're going to almost certainly have one of the best offenses of all time when it's all said and done, as long as nothing crazy happens the rest of the way. And then Orlando, like I, so my problem with them conceptually is that they don't have a guard who I trust to be a playoff level guy right now. Now, some of that is offset by the fact that I think both Franz and Paolo are guys who can, be like point forwardy type players, like maybe Franz more so as a playmaker yep. than than Paolo. But when you have two guys who are that big, who can get their own shots and they can create for others and are, you know, versatile in that way, and you have two of them, like it's it's normally tough enough to get one guy like that to get two of them on the same team, and they have a really good defensive structure there. That's like they're a scary team to have to play. Like they're, I think, sort of. When people were like, oh, the Sixers should be fearful of playing that Toronto team in the playoffs that they should have swept and ended up beating in six games, the Magic are a better example there. Like a young athletic team that's got scoring punch that can take you out of your sets and your offense for four or five minutes at a time and then punish you in transition and with cross matches in early offense. They're coming. I just still think they're too young no playoff reps. It's probably a year, two years before they're able to do some yeah. real damage. I think they are primed for, if not at worst, of course, playing at best six seed and get knocked out in four games. That's the type. Maybe win one on their home floor type of feel with both of those teams if they get to the postseason because they just simply are not ready. Very well coached. Jamal Mosley doing a great job with the Magic. Rick Carlisle. Well-documented, of course, longtime NBA coach and what he has been able to do now with the Pacers and turning them around. They don't play any defense, so that's one part of it. While they have scored, they, they don't play defense. They're going to give up 140 points after they score 130. So that's how that's going to go with them. in Orlando, with the guard play, to your yep. guys' point, is just they're just not ready. They'll be fun. They'll be interesting. They might scare one of those teams that they match up with in that first round, they'll push them in the game and have you biting your fingernails. Just not quite ready. Red Fox Tucker, thank you for that 1999 and that question. We'll get to that a little bit more with the Pacers mm-hmm. and the Magic as we go. 
Uh, did want to jump back into the game tonight. I will say one more thing. Mm-hmm. You said maybe playing six seed type. At worst. Yeah. Oh, okay. At worst. Because worse. yeah. I was going to say, like, Orlando's sitting second right now. And if you just look at the rest of the East, Cleveland has struggled. And I think if we're looking at, like, who might fall out of the sky as a star trade candidate by February, would not shock me if Donovan Mitchell is that guy. Absolutely. That starts to build some momentum. They're ninth right now. They're barely over, over 500. The Knicks are 13 and nine. They're sixth right now. Mitchell Robinson is now out for the next two months and I think is a really important part of that tough defensive identity that they built. They just brought back Taj Gibson, by the way. Which, you know, bringing back <laughs> Taj Gibson at the end of 2023 is sure a decision. Uh, Miami, 14 and 10. They're never that good of a regular season team. So, like, you just go through all the teams. Brooklyn is just, like, kind of treadmill. Like, your boy has been great, obviously. But rest of that roster, Ben's been hurt. I don't know. So, like, Orlando and Indiana, to me, just because they have played better to start the year, are clear-cut could be top four, maybe five teams. Now, the real shame of it would be, if they are the four or five and one of them has to eliminate the other. Cause I would like to see, you know, the young upstart teams play mm-hmm. the, the Celtics, the Sixers, the bucks, the, the more entrenched playoff teams. I think that'd be an interesting second round matchup. Yeah. And remember when Charlotte snuck in a couple of years ago and they were in the play in tournament. Mm-hmm. And of course they've gone back to reality after sure. that playoff visit, but that was fun watching them get into the postseason, do what they did at that time and eventually get knocked out. It made, it made a lot of people think, oh, okay, maybe they're, they've arrived. They did not, but that's why that's I look at it. At worst, again, if, if it's someone like Indiana or Orlando, they get in that spot. But I actually like these two rosters versus what Charlotte had at that time. And um, so that's where I am. And the Cavs from last year are a pretty good example of just because you are a, a intriguing team and you've done a good job building and you, you're able to win a lot of regular season games. It takes time to learn how to win the playoffs because they got smoked and they had a little bit of a step back here, but the Cavs in the regular season last year were as good or better than either of these two teams that we're talking about. It is tough to expect them to be ready to adjust on the fly. Like they will need to do in the playoffs, even not in addition to the fact that they both have pretty serious weaknesses on one side of the court or the other. All right, and getting back to the game here, Sixers win again, 129-111. Oh, yeah, the game. I was it like close? we spent like 20, 25 minutes talking about That's what stuff. happens when you get an 18-point victory. That was eventually, uh, the Sixers had a 30-point lead in this game. That's where you go. You go around the league a little bit. There you go, Vince. We went around the league, and uh, <laughs> we did that. So 21 points in 26 minutes for Tobias Harris. He was 7 for 10 from the floor, 7 boards. One block shot, one turnover. He was very active from the start, seven in the first quarter, yep. and he looked really good. He came out, put his foot down right away. Yep. No, and he had what I liked. For, he had a couple where he was attacking in transition and getting buckets at the rim, but he had a couple of real quick catch and shoot shots, which is something that we don't see nearly enough. Just, I'm going to do the uh, what is it? Righteous gemstones. <laughs> yeah. Danny McBride doing the. <laughs> But, I mean, whenever he does have them now, it's like, oh, my God, thank you. And, and some of them were real quick. There was one I know in the second that was a real quick corner catch and shoot. He had yes. no extra time to get it off. He got it off confidently. Um, it's just real nice to see. And maybe this means that we will get into a spell where Tobias is shooting confidently and quickly 
for a five or 10 game stretch. None of us are going to be fooled. This isn't our first rodeo. We don't expect it to last forever, but if we can just get five to 10 games of the really good version of Tobias, we'll take it. Like we said, it's going to be an up and down roller coaster, but it would be nice to get back on one of the uphill parts. Listen, the biggest indicator is always how many threes did Tobias take? Because generally if he's confident and stepping into those shots, it means that that is translating elsewhere, right? Like, Tobias took five threes tonight, made three of them. A couple of those were early makes. And as he likes to say, he was in a flow. Like you could see him play with real purpose in early offense offense and transition. When he does that, like forget about him scoring on the fast break. I think one thing that's really important that probably gets undersold is if he runs the floor hard and creates a cross match, he's going to kill a lot of the like smaller wings or he can go by the slower ones tonight. He had a possession where he got Cade Cunningham in the mid post and backed him down, drew a foul. I thought Devon and I talked at points during the game, like came up with some good offensive rebounds, had a deep seal where he played high low with Joel Embiid. So I just love when he plays with more purpose. When he plays that aimless, like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with the ball type of basketball. That's when he drives me nuts. I will live with, if he had gone 0 for 5 from 3, I wouldn't be as happy with his performance, obviously. But I, would, I that's more acceptable to me than the 0 for 2s, the 0 for 1s, the, him just checking out of a responsibility that he has to deliver for this team. So on a night where Tyrese had an absolute nightmare of a performance it was great to see Tobias step up yep. slide into that kind of second scoring role next to Joel Embiid they didn't really need a second scorer with the way he was going in that one but very good performance from him and I'm sure that felt good after he's had a real rough go of it so hopefully this is the it's what we have been saying about these like everybody eats type nights if one guy who's been struggling uses that to get going and go on a run, it was worth playing that game alone. No, I mean, it's like we mentioned before. We need him to be strong and wrong. Just be confident, be quick, be decisive. It's sort of like Kyle's podcasting. He might not always be right. That's not what we expect from him, <laughs> but he will be confident. He will be decisive. I'm going to say it with some <laughs> fucking passion. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, just like Patrick Beverly, maybe getting a tech. We won't. We don't hand out techs here uh, unless it, unless it's needed. And uh, we uh, that was funny, huh? How about Isaiah Stewart getting tossed? He was frustrated, Derek. He he had enough. He picked up he got two, two fouls before fouls. he even sat down. Yeah, man. man. He was he was frustrated. They've lost twenty one games in a row. They got to play the Sixers again on on Friday night. He's just giving the forearm shiver to Pat Beverly because he's annoying. I didn't even see what led to that. No, I, I he, and I wanted and I look back. He's and I'm just like, mad. He was just yeah. He was just mad. He, he could play on my team anytime, man. He'd be. I just I like the his energy. Was like oh, we gotta go get him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly where I was. He's a tough dude, man. I, I like him. And then we brought up the LeBron play where he was uh, had to be held back by the by entire like seven Detroit Lions trying to defensive LeBron. line trying to get after LeBron James. That was hilarious, man. But he was ticked off. He was ticked off tonight and. Everything was working for the Sixers tonight. Again, 16-7. Bench played well. Kelly Oubre looked pretty good. I was about to say, Devon, another... We didn't mention Kelly enough at all. That that dunk attempt he had was, oh, oh my goodness. Awesome. I think that was Killian Hayes. I think it was. Yes. Yes. He was going to Killian him for sure. We we went, like, most of this podcast barely talking about Kelly. He was awesome. And that was a reminder of what he brought to this team early in the season. Has taken him, it's, you know, as you would expect for a role player, 
suffered an injury, had to work his way back in the rotation, also now coming off the bench instead of starting. There were going to be some ups and downs here, but this was an awesome night for him. And it's the same principle we're talking about with Tobias, right? Like Kelly is that all the time. He is decisive. Sometimes he is decisive and you're like, what in the hell is that guy thinking? Why did you take that shot? I know Derek said that's how I podcast, and you know we're <laughs> we're gonna have to talk about that after the show, obviously. But it, it's being that strong and wrong that Derek mentions that Kelly, if he sees an opening, attacks it. He'll get to the mid range that we were talking about earlier. That some of our listeners, watchers, want Tyrese to hit more. Gets to the rim, draws fouls. Like I, I couldn't be happier with what they've gotten out of Ubre this season, and this was a great example of everything he's brought to the table. He's always ready to let it fly, man. Always ready to let it fly. And he looked pretty good after struggling with just seven points in the game on Monday against Washington. Nice to see him right away, early, going right after it, getting his shot off, a quick three-point attempt from the wing that went down. Had to feel good to see that first attempt go down, and then after that, he was just doing what he was doing, and he looked pretty good playing uh, tonight. Overall, we already talked about Marcus Morris, the Anthony it, an, an entire overall really good team performance tonight against a bad basketball team doing the job that you were supposed to do against this group. And that's just simply where it was. And they're going to play this team again on Friday. I don't see them letting up on them once again. And just go I out there and, and do your job. Just go do your job against that Detroit team. You can't be the team that snaps the losing cannot. streak. Can't do it. Didn't when, the, when Sixers the Sixers record? when the Sixers lost twenty eight in a row? I think it was Detroit that they finally beat. Was it Detroit or I thought, I thought it, was it was Minnesota? No. Uh, well, I, is this, this the when they signed the Ish and Phoenix, and he played that first game against Ish Smith? Played against the Phoenix Suns. Brian Colangelo signed. Ish. No, no. This was this was before that. This was before then. Okay. All this right. was during one of the Samuels. All right, hold on. I'm pulling it up. December second. 2015, I see a chest bump between T.J. McConnell and Robert Covington. It was against, we were all wrong, drumroll please, the Los Angeles Lakers. Wait, but how uh, many, I think there's a different 28-game losing streak. That's bad. Well, that's that, bad. That's a problem. Multiple 28-game losing streaks? This is the one in 2015. That's bad. All right, hold on. That is really bad. But what's one, the record again? What's the Sixers record? This was the record. That's the record. It's the, the, end, it's the longest losing streak ever recorded. Will Detroit in... break the record? Is oh the no, I was thinking of the 26 game losing streak in 2013-14, and the win did come against the Pistons. So okay. it, was a, it was a wrong losing streak. It was a little shorter. It was only a 26 gamer. Calm down. That's a shame. A 26 and a 28er. Oh yeah, that's, no, they, that's bad. They lost a lot of games back then. That's Didn't really they bad. have multiple seasons where it started off 0 and 19? Or no, 0-17. 0-17. I, I think it's three years in a row. This is a very dark period, Derek. I've tried to forget as much of that basketball as and, I and possibly look, could. I look enjoyed at the now. hell out of it. Look anyway. at you them enjoyed now. it? Were you oh, some kind yeah. of masochist? Uh, I, the team-building aspect was incredibly fun to debate. Oh, oh, Krell is also fun. wrong saying it was Detroit in the chat. So. Well, no, the, the 26 game on, was Detroit. On, you, yeah, yeah. you know that you're on the wrong side of history because Krell is with you, so... Congratulations. I mean, look, there was a very long losing streak that the Detroit Pistons broke. I do remember the game that you're talking about, yeah. I just remembered because, like, you know, back then when they were losing 20 in a row, nobody was there. There would be, like, five media members there. And all of a sudden they got close to the NBA record, and then everyone started showing up. National media, local media, the place was packed. 
Um, a bad time. A, well, uh, by the way, the Spurs lost again tonight and are still under the cover of uh, the Detroit Pistons. So Victor Wembanyama should be writing a thank you card to Monty Williams. Uh, Pop should send him a gift basket. Yep. So the Pistons have lost 21 in a row and the Spurs have now lost 17 in a row. Good times. Not our problem because we've been there having to deal with that. I served my day of time yes, with these bad we've teams. we've been there. We have been there. No, no, no. What was your first year on the beat? Full time. You were at least getting paid good money to cover a team. I was doing it for the love of the game. So don't even fucking talk to me about that bullshit. I'm just saying. I'm pretty and sure. I'm just saying. I'm don't pretty, even bark up that oh, tree. You're man. full time. I'm pretty sure it was 2017 because it was the exact same time I took Rich and went to the athletic. Wow. Good times. Not good times. They were I winning basketball, it. man. You had Brian Colangelo in to fix that mess. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> and in the team building aspect as you talk about it, you know, I was on the other side of, I do not like this. Uh, and that's was, a debate for see, another day. The debate was part of the fun. It was fun, though. You got to embrace debate. It was fun. fun. It was really fun. This was fun. It was fun to have, like Skip you said. Skip Bodner over there. And, and embrace the debate. <laughs> <laughs> an easy night. Tonight for the Sixers as they take down the Detroit Pistons once again. Final score, 129-111, up by as much as 30 points. 41-11 and 11 for the big fella. As we talk about the MVP conversation once again, Kyle mentioned it. His numbers are, he's playing better than he was arguably last year where he won the MVP. It doesn't matter as much anymore if he does this thing and advances them to the Eastern Conference Finals and eventually the NBA Finals. The conversation will be much, much different with what he did this season if he's able to advance his team deep into the spring and early summer based on his play. We're going to start having some MVP debates soon. But soon? That, is, that is definitely soon. a uh, discussion soon. for a night that is not tonight. Well, we thank everybody for hanging with us. First, Bree, thank you, as always, producing here on this Wednesday night, hanging out with us. Kyle, we got a lot of people to get to. Yes, we do. We have Dan and Lucas and Jay Bart, Ty Ty. We have Austin, who's blaming me for his therapy <laughs> sessions. I take absolutely no responsibility for that. Darnell, D'Angelo, Sam, Jason, two-minute warning, Money Mar, I know you're in there somewhere. Jim, Brian, some of these are repeat names. Elaine, Alton. We had a guy who said I was wrong for saying Joel is less efficient this year. Check the field goal percentage, buddy. I promise you it's lower. <laughs> we might have to look at the true shooting I know percentages. the true shooting is 65 to 63 because I wrote about it today. So it it's higher it. this season? No, it's down. It's down. Okay. So yeah. take that, buddy. Anyway, thank you for being here, everybody. Papa's, as always. we'll shout out Papa's because I just assume he's in here uh, with crazy He person. might be asleep because he's overseas. It's like, what? Even so, he deserves a shout out for being here so we, regularly. We love our guy, Papas. Anyway, so. And all the people with the super chats tonight, too. Kev yes. and who else do we have? Bernard, Dan, Rick, Lucas, and Red, Red Fox. Fox. Tucker with that big 1999 super chat. Thank you once again. On your way out, everybody, if you could hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, the bell icon will get you notifications each and every time we go live, and it'll help out our talented colleagues as well. And if you hit that thumbs up button on the YouTube video, not only will it make me feel really good personally, maybe you'll hit the thumbs down now. I don't know. Kyle's entire self-worth is dependent on you hitting that like up. Please, I need the thumbs up now. So tell a friend to tell a friend to tell (laughs) another friend and another friend. And also that we will not be with you on Thursday. We'll be back on Friday because we have a Saturday game as the Sixers take on the Charlotte Hornets. Two more post-game shows this week and a takeover. Friday's game. Get your tickets if you haven't already. So we'll see you on Friday at the game. 
And then right back here, post-game, as the Sixers maybe extend Detroit's losing streak to 22. For Derek and Kyle and Bree, I'm Devon. We'll talk to you on Friday right here on the Sixers, PHL Sixers podcast. Good night. Y'all silly like the mayor. 